Hello, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Um, I'm John, this is Pedaling Podcast, and there's quite an interesting show coming up. So I also wanted to mention, uh, I'm going to change the show a little bit as well. Um, one thing I kind of realised was that Pedaling Podcast is kind of about the journey I'm about to go on. Uh, so what I'm going to do is start adding in more updates of the journey itself, because there's unbelievable amounts of stuff I'm trying to get through and get organised and get ready uh, and it would be cool to share that and see if you guys find it interesting um, you know cycling back home halfway across the world is a pretty big deal and I didn't really realise how big a deal it was until I've started to organise things like equipment uh, finances, flights um, you know jabs and money and visas it, it's pretty crazy so uh I'll have a show coming out of the weekend, which will just be like me talking, sharing kind of what I'm up to, where I'm at, uh, what the journey's going to be. So I'll talk more about the upcoming trip, the actual route I'm taking, uh, which will go over to Australia in March, uh, and the options I have as well. Uh, I think that'd be kind of cool to share that because, I don't know, maybe someone else is planning the same thing, or maybe it's just, uh, I guess, I guess I've been working on it so long that I kind of already committed to it and already know about what I'm doing. Uh, but I guess someone who has no idea about this stuff may find it a bit interesting as well and uh, potentially I did before I started the trip and now I've kind of forgot how interesting it kind of is. So I'll be uh, sharing a bit more of that. I'll have something coming out weekly um, and I really hope I can do something more every other day, I guess. So that'll be something I'm going to work on. If you kind of have any feedback, just hit me up on Instagram. It's the place I usually hang out and share all my stuff. Um, so I'm talking to Hamana. Uh, this is a... Sh- this is a catch-up I did about, I think about a month, two months ago. Uh, and Hamana, I know Hamana through T. White's Bikes, a local bike shop I used to work at. Um, and I know him as a filmmaker, but also a, a, quite a talented BMX uh, sponsorship kind of guy working in social media. Uh, there's kind of a lot going on. There's so much going on that I kind of said, look, look let's just sit down and talk and, and see what's going on. So... It's a really good show. It's a long one, but it's good because there's so much detail in there about social media, um, working in film, the kind of stuff that he prefers working on, working with Red Bull of all people. Um, and if you're in media as well, you'll probably find this quite interesting. So tune in, you know, put the kettle on, uh, split it into two, plan a drive, go for a little drive around somewhere and, and have a listen and, uh, and let me know what you think. Uh, also, sorry for the swearing. I mean, it's pretty funny, but I can't edit that kind of stuff out, so hopefully Apple won't ban me. I don't know if they do that kind of stuff, but yeah, tune in. Uh, and also don't forget, if you're not on Instagram, just jump on there because I'm doing Man Monday. So as I cycle back home, I'm going to be uh, just doing some sort of vote, whatever, I'm not sure how, but uh, if you somehow connect with me, then I can send you a postcard from wherever I am. So I'll be sending postcards from around the world because I kind of thought, well, you know, social media is great, but... I kind of like writing and and kind of putting stuff on paper. So uh, if you're into that, I'm into that. So get connected and and, and try and get a postcard from me around the world. That'd be cool, right? All right, well, uh, here's Hamana and me. See you later. I'm here with Hamana Gatta. How would you you, um, introduce yourself? Uh... Uh, Filmmaker, yeah, BMX I, 
next man. Guess so. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunate as it is. Unfortunate to label yourself labels. But yeah, I guess filmer and BMX rider All right. would probably be. So yeah. uh, kind of describe describe where we are right now as well. We're in my uh, edit suite in Devonport, which is on the North Shore of Auckland. Beautiful North Shore of Auckland. Some might say it's the Hawaii of New Zealand. <laughs> Uh, it's a small dark room and we've got some beers and uh, yeah, we're just chilling, hanging out pretty much, yeah. Your studio basically. Yep, yep. So this is where I edit and produce the majority of stuff that I spit out and stuff and store all my camera gear and yeah, it's like a shared space with some architect friends uh, in downtown Devonport. So it's good, man. It's, it's hidden away and yeah, not many people know it's here. Cool. Well, I guess they do now. But going to the internet but you don't know the address though so yeah but yeah man welcome welcome how has kind of like cycling played a part in in you doing what you do now yeah so i know your your kind of background is the bmx world yep um so kind of talk to me about like i, I guess that the first encounter you had with a bike uh first encounter with a bike uh it's probably really young like five or six i'd say i remember it really um clearly uh in wellington like learning to pedal push off on a full size kind of bmx bike and stuff um but yeah it kind of moved from there uh you know like learning to ride a bike and that was cool and stuff but didn't actually discover bmx till i was probably 12 i'd say um we lived in a small coastal town called gisborne and uh grew up my family didn't have that much money and stuff we weren't like a wealthy family mum and dad both worked but we mm. weren't wealthy at all and um yeah somehow my my mum was working at mcdonald's and a guy at the mcdonald's in gisborne named adam uh he was a bmxer this was back in the kind of mid uh 90s i'd say like 93 or something like that and she got to talking to him he was like a sweet dude and stuff and she got to talking to him and was like oh maybe my son might like a bmx or something like that and got him to build a bmx for me and she gave it to me for my birthday it was like built out of secondhand parts and stuff and that was kind of the impetus to kind of push forward and yeah stoked to say haven't stopped pedaling since yeah that was 90 92 I'm not 91, I'd say. So I was 11 years old. Okay. Yeah. And so ever since then, I've been pedaling pretty much. Yeah. And what, pedaling BMX yeah. the whole time? Yeah, the whole time. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So at any point during the, the, the time when you're riding BMX, did, because I don't ride BMX, um, I have ridden BMX mm-hmm. a little bit, but I don't know much about it. But at any time, did you jump into any other kind of parts uh, of cycling or was it BMX well, at the scene? My mum was doing triathlons kind of around then so she rode like um no they didn't even have tt bikes but she kind of rode right rode right rode road bikes and i kind of like you know rode them around and stuff like that and she had a couple in the shed but it was pretty much all bmx really you know yeah so bmx was the main kind of motivator around that time and stuff and it was getting to school was, it was a good transport to get to school, but as well as that, I met a bunch of 
road guys at school, you know. They were older and kind of slicker, cooler dudes. But the fact that you rode a bike to school, you kind of said hi to them. And then gradually getting to know them a bit more and kind of communicating with them. They, We talked about bikes and stuff like that. And I ended up going, hanging out at their store, Main Track Cycles in Gisborne, where like it was... Uh, where the collegiate teams were based out of, basically. So I was always a BMXer, but there was kind of road cycling coming and going and a little bit of NTB here and there, but I always stayed BMX, if you know what I mean. So there were like three convergence of cycling in this one store, but I was kind of like the token BMX rider. Yeah. I'm going to fly back Mm. to the start again. Because I want to do the intro again. Yeah. Because I want to talk about, like, kind of intro you, like, with the stuff you're doing now or kind of okay. what you've done. So just, like, <coughs> so, you're, you're, so you're a filmmaker. Like, who do you do filmmaking for? Mm, I pretty much do filmmaking for whoever comes to me with a good budget. <laughs> nah, I shouldn't say that. Whoever's got but, the money. But I'm fortunate enough to produce work for that, for industries that I'm passionate in. So a lot of um, BMX work for a bunch of people. It's kind of cycling based, but from there I've gotten a bunch of other jobs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's through brands that are somehow associated to cycling, but not necessarily cycling brands. Um, clients and stuff like that who are friends of a friend who, who I've worked for and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so if I was a dude now, got a big budget, I was like, Hamana, I'm thinking of hiring you. Why, why should I bother hiring you? Why? Should, <laughs> I'd say because we could go to the pub and have a good time. No, um, I think maybe because I started out in TV um, in like the late kind of 90s pretty much. I think it comes down to a basis of uh, being able to tell a good story, really. Without a good story, the basis of a kind of project or a video project or something like that, it's kind of like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? It's fine to see action, action, action. But unless you've got a story behind all that action, then it's kind of, you know, like, what are we, what are we even doing here? You know, the base, the core basis of any kind of creative or a video or a narrative is the story, you know, and being able to understand that story and tell that story in a genuine way as well. That isn't going to fly over over the heads of your audience, you know? Like, because mm. a lot of these high-end ads and high-end things and products and stuff, it's all whiz-bang, you know, flashy-washy stuff. But unless you're connecting with your audience, then, you know, there's a bit of a discrepancy there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're basically not just the guy with the camera pointing it around to wherever it's No, no, saying, no, yeah. Shoot. Oh, I, I could be if that's what you want me to, but I think my, not to like go, I think my skill is, but I think my my strength is being able to tell, oh, are we good? being able to tell like a genuine kind of human story, I think, yeah, mm. yeah. So, um, out of all the work you kind of like have done for the last like five, ten mm-hmm. years, what would be like the, the, the highlight kind of stuff? Um, or the stuff you've enjoyed the most? Yeah. Uh, one of my clients is uh, Red Bull, um, which is, I guess people may or may not know, it's an international um, energy drink company. 
So if you were hid hidden under a rock for a while, you wouldn't know them, right? Well, yeah, maybe that it's you know quite a large company and stuff like that. But working, I've worked across a whole bunch bunch of athlete projects for Red Bull, and been fortunate enough to be um, one of their kind of BMX filmers here and stuff. And all that that um, that work has definitely been a highlight for sure. You know, like being able to travel overseas to shoot friends or uh, guys in the industry um, you know who I've been aware of for a while and stuff all that work's been been amazing and fantastic you know but as well as that I shoot well I produce content for a lot of other corporates as well which is work with um, the All Blacks like uh, I guess my work comes comes back to high performance sport really mm. yeah being able to work with with high performance sports athletes basically yeah so so go back so so we're going back to kind of your bmx days yep you've got your kind of like put together bmx hacked together bmx that you're still riding um kind of like throughout your kind of bmx riding um which point did you start thinking about a camera or pick up a camera and and, and have that kind of yep. intuition for for camera work i've always I've always been uh, the type of person that turns the opposite way from a camera. And so in doing that, holding a camera, I've, I've always basically wanted to capture my friends doing cool shit, basically. So you, when you say turn away, like when someone points a camera at you, you're the guy be like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Face. Like, not get out of my face, but like, uh, you know, like I'm not going to do anything, so... I'm just sitting here pretty I'm not going to do anything, you know, which is funny because it kind of, in a, in a roundabout way, it worked, worked, worked differently. Oh, hang on. That's a camera. So like, yeah. like you, you don't want to be in front of the camera. You always turn away. Yeah. I was always someone who wanted to film my friends doing other cool stuff, you know, so I, I was always the one that at school, I'd, oh, here it comes. Hang on. Might have to. We'll just keep it rolling. Oh. And we can just like, I'll just cut that down. After. Mm. Um always being the one that kind of wanted to um, capture friends doing doing stuff as opposed to it being the opposite way, you know. Always at uh, high school, was in the AV room, tinkering, always kind of hiring out the cameras and always being interested in cameras. So, so I mean, now, if someone's doing that kind of stuff, yep. they would use a phone. You know, people tend to use a phone to do yep. stuff. But back then, phones for camera work probably wouldn't have been... A big deal. No, no, it was a uh, um, Panasonic M7, so it's, which were a shoulder-mounted camera. It was kind of like it was an effort to yeah, yeah. to film, and it was an effort to kind of. But you'd go out and you film, and then you'd go home and watch it on the TV, and you'd like kind of go, "Oh, that's so cool!" Like, "Oh, wow!" You know. And then the next day, you'd say, "What if I filmed it from over here? It'd look even cooler!" You know, like it's. So, like, so do you think there's like it's quite interesting because you'd have had to have gone out your way to get the equipment yeah. to use and then you'd be more excited to go back to see the, what you'd done rather than, I guess, people shooting now, maybe on a phone would probably shoot it, see it and not really have the same kind of, uh, I guess, gratification when they got home yeah, to see this stuff. exactly. It's almost like, um, almost, almost like shooting a Super 8 film or um, 16mm film where you're so excited to go out and shoot it and just capture as much as you can and then you go home and you plug the AV cords into your TV and you pull out the 
the ones in the back and stuff of the VHS player and you watch it down and you're just in you're marveling at like oh wow this was like three hours ago cool and you just sit there and watch like an hour of basic bullshit pretty much with some bike riding in between you know yeah so what so so what happened from then so you're you're doing shooting with your friends doing stuff shooting friends like hanging out riding bikes like eh, goofing off you know like yeah and uh uh ended up my parents basically kind of said well what do you want to do because i unbeknownst to them for my last kind of years of school i hadn't been going to school i'd been catching the bus and getting off and going surfing uh for the last two years and they two years. yeah two years of my secondary secondary um school life and stuff and they were like they found out at the end of that and they were like what the hell so so, so, so there's no one call back and be like no nah, no nah. weirdly enough i can't believe it i got away for got away with it for two years of bunking periods to go surf and ride bmx basically at the bmx track and we we lived about an hour away from the school in the country on the on the coast so i'd leave in the morning and come back and be like you know like oh, hi how's it going like you know yeah and so, how did, so after two years yeah of doing that how, how did they figure it out or yeah uh basically it kind of got to the end and they were kind of like well what's happening now and i was i didn't come clean i was kind of like well i, I might go do I kind of pulled a rat, pulled it out of my ass. I was like, I want to get into TV randomly, you know, because I'd been mucking around with these cameras. I was like, oh shit, I need to come up with something to do after school. And I kind of said to them, uh, TV, and they were like, oh okay, cool, yep, yep, great. And it wasn't until like maybe four, five years ago that I came clean to my mum that. I'd been bunking school and she was like, so that's why there was no report cards for like that long, you know? So, yeah, no news is, is Yeah, good no news, news right? is good news, you know? So, uh, yeah. And then I was kind of like TV and I enrolled in a TV course and did that for a bit and then got accepted into film school. Um, I was lucky enough that one of my uncles, my dad's cousin, was the head of uh, the Māori department here at TVNZ, which is Television New Zealand. And he knew, well, he got one that I was kind of interested in TV. So he just wrote me a reference, basically. And that's how I got into film school. And then, yeah. Okay. So one of the questions I was going to ask you at the end was, look, you know, what kind of advice would you have for anyone getting mm. into, <laughs> into, into the into industry? And, and, you know, just take two years off. Yeah. You know, well, go base, surfing. Yeah. Take two years off, go surfing, eat fish and chips, uh, ride BMX, you know. <laughs> But no, it, it all came from that. I think it's. Hang on, I'm just gonna grab a beer. I think it came from, cause came from being inquisitive, really. You know, being inquisitive and being interested in, yeah. in uh, capturing moments. You know. So so in so over that two years, kind of yeah. like when you were, how how did you take a surfboard? To, no, to... I left it at my friend's house, so the bus okay. would stop, and I'd jump off, and basically go up the road, and heavy there in his. Uh, his little car i'll be like yeah we're off and off we'd go okay. pretty much so yeah there's more than one of you kind of thinking yeah oh yeah there was at any given time there was maybe three or four of us like either surfing uh hang out at skate park riding bmx or just kind of existing okay okay so so, so what's going on in two years of, of hanging out surfing bmx in filming what were you doing yeah that yeah just 
nah, having a good time, basically, you know, like during the day anyway, and then go home and like, oh, hey, you know, like kind of pleading the sob story to mum and dad that school was really hard and, and oh, I might just go for a surf <laughs> and so go for another surf and they'd be like, okay, cool, yeah, no worries. <laughs> we lived like maybe a minute from the beach, so I'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go for a surf for a bit, go out have another surf for the day. So so how was it? So you went on a school bus? Yeah. Going to school? Yeah. And you're jumping off like halfway, I guess? Uh, kind of in town, you know, because some students got off in town because they needed to go to the library. Okay. And But the school, you know, it was a school bus. The bus driver was never like, where are you going? He was always like, oh, you're getting off. It's not my... <laughs> responsibility of where you're going you know like he's probably surfing on the same same what, bit right well yeah, he's right. hoping you know he's hoping okay cool so 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 you so you're, what, you're now working with um tvnz you've got a role yeah working. so film school and then um started just applying for jobs and stuff like that and uh ended up working for like a an uh mtv type sort of channel and stuff yeah just at the bottom of the ladder doing dog shit jobs there and that was my entry into the industry pretty much yeah 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 so at this point were you still kind of doing work in, in cycling and, and filming no no so i was bmxing um and working at this uh tv channel pretty much and that was it in auckland anyway just like a ratty kind of how old was i 18 19 yeah just drinking riding working trying to hang out with girls you know what I mean, and uh, yeah, that was pretty much about it. Yeah. Okay. So, from where we're sitting now, like, yep. kind of like, what's the what's going on between being this young kid working in the city to to being in your own studio, yeah. working with people like Red Bull? I, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What what happened? I mean, well, by this point, you can't take two years after go surfing. No, no, right? no. So, so there was a whole lot of you know, obviously hard yards and all all stuff like that. Learning a lot about the industry, I worked for uh, MediaWorks, which is which is one of the bigger networks here, and uh, TVNZ, which is also a big network, as well as a bunch of ad agencies and just basically kind of found because my background, I. Didn't major, but I kind of became an editor. That was my kind of thing, and so I edit, ended up editing a lot of material for networks and stuff like that. And I think just having that basis of being able to tell a story out of nothing. I was often handed tapes, or um, this was before hard drives, tapes or um, digi beaters of just crap, and basically said, "We need to make a story out of this. Can you?" You know, and so it was up to me to kind of go, okay, that goes there. And if we put a voice over there, that goes there. If we put a photo there, that goes there, you know? Okay. Yeah. So that's so where. So this I, is kind of like, you, 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 that's kind of like a role of editor, creative director, kind of like. Almost. Yeah. Managing. Yeah. Um, because people couldn't be fucked basically kind of following it through, you know? They'd gone out, shot an interview with, um, with someone like Green Day or Metallica or someone like that and come back and gone, give me 40 minutes of footage and gone, can you make something with this? Like, fucking, I've, I've got other shit to do, you know? So I'd sit down and go, okay, we've got the intro. We need um, a voice over here. We need pictures to go over the top. And then we intro Metallica, what they're doing in New Zealand. And then from there, the new album, album artwork, you know, like 
and basically got left to it pretty much. Yeah. So and then he... they'd come back and go, what have you done? I'd show them and they'd go, oh, yeah, that's cool. All right. All right. Sweet. Thanks. And off they'd go. Yeah. So so at this, so what do you think at this point? You're kind of mid-career, kind of like, you know, yeah, you've got a pretty cushy job. You're kind of like probably quite a, quite a good job. Yeah, point, it was right? good. It was good. But I always felt that, um, you know, because I'm naturally not a jokester, but quite light, light-hearted. Um, I wouldn't say a pushover, but, you know, if someone has an idea, I listen, I take it in, you know. At this point, I was kind of like, uh, like, what am I doing, you know? Because I didn't get pushed around quite a bit, but because I'm quite a placid person, people could kind of tell me what to do, and I'd just go, oh, I'll just do it just, you know, to get them off my back and stuff like that. I didn't, I wouldn't say I didn't have a voice, but I wasn't that opinionated on, on um, pushing back, basically. That's obviously a terrible thing to do, but like... I should have pushed back more, but I just kind of went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought oh, I'd just resign to the fact that I'd be a semi-bottom feeder, you know, like I'd just do what I do and this is this and this is this. But gradually over time, what actually kind of eventuated was that everyone knew that I rode BMX, right? They were like, oh, there's that guy with the BMX who works and blah, 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 he's an editor, blah, blah. And somehow... Um, TV people were like, fuck, we need a BMX or we need like a BMX person to do this or this ad needs a BMX person. Rah, rah, rah. And suddenly I got these calls from talent agencies kind of going, hey, uh, you edit and stuff, but you're a BMXer, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, we need a BMX guy to come and do this TV ad or like, you know. So all of a sudden I kind of started getting involved and and writing in these kind of TV ads and TV work and editorial work. And, you know, I learned a lot more about the industry on that way. I already had these skills of being being able to tell a story, you know, and being able to make something out of nothing. But now all of a sudden I was learning like, oh, so this is how, this is how the other side works, you know, like learning about the camera guys and learning about, uh the branding side and the marketing side and what clients are looking for and all that kind of stuff so so like when that that call started having those calls started coming through yeah so i guess generally people just saw that you were a bmx guy people knew about you being a bmx guy and they just kind of connected the dots so it's kind of like you being there was almost like a it's a long way long way around but it's kind of like being in the right place at the right time kind exactly of thing. that's pretty much exactly how i put it like i was in the right place at the right time basically I, it was at a point where i was riding my bmx i had i had a sponsor um at that time and being at the right place at the right time and being able to take the initiative to join the dots meant that i could put my sponsors in a bigger picture, if you know what I mean. Okay. And so, that only so... propelled the kind of more more motivation for my sponsors to support me because they saw, oh, hey, our writer's in a fucking TV ad, you know? And he did it off his own back, like, you know? And so, yeah, that kind of snow uh, formed a little bit of a snowball effect. So, so, so talk... 
tell me about the, 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 the how the sponsorship came about you as a BMX a lot yep. what is going on parallel yep. to kind of like life so, in there as an editor yep so uh, outside of that I was riding BMX quite a bit we had a skate park and at this point BMX is kind of like national yeah. well, I guess like in, in a worldwide level kind of growing it's yeah kind of like yeah yeah definitely it's 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 getting up there with skateboarding and stuff this is the early 2000s and um i rode for a company etni shoes at the time and um they were making a big marketing push into new zealand and i was like okay cool yep do whatever and uh all this yeah this tv work riding my bike started coming up they started supporting me more and then uh, kind of out, out of the blue i got a call from uh the brand agency for mountain dew Hey, we're looking for a BMXer for and Mountain Dew. This is the American. This is the American. Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, I was riding okay. Like I've never been a great rider. I've always been a good. Uh, like I like to think I've always been a good rider, but I've always done what I've done. I haven't kind of conformed. And they were like, "Oh, hey, we're looking for a BMX rider for an ad, for an ad. Would you be interested?" I'm like, "Yeah, sweet as like you know, yep, yep, yep," and uh, went along kind of said my piece and they were like cool like can we watch your ride ride the skate park they were like yep great you've got it I was like okay cool and off the back of that they were like oh well do you we're looking for a New Zealand representative do you want to be sponsored by us and I was like uh okay I was a little bit confused at first and then they put a contract in front of me I was like where do I sign you know so all of a sudden, these avenues and doors started opening up um, purely because I was in the right place at the right time, working in the right industry, and rode my bike to work. And people were like, oh, there's that guy that rides a BMX to work, you know? I don't think, I think a lot of people thought it was NAF, like, because there was a BMX locked up outside a TV station. People were like, oh, that's a bit weird, you know, but as if I cared, yeah. So, so the the, the 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 sponsorship stuff, like, mm. you were completely like not aware of what was, what was going on at the time. Well, that's the thing. I started, um, I started being more proactive in what I can do for brands because I work in the advertising industry. So I was like, hang on a sec, you know, I I like to think that I smartened up a bit. I was like, hang on, if I can join the dots here. I can make it mutually beneficial for my sponsor and me and the advertiser, you know, like, so I almost joined like a 360 kind of thing. And from there, it just kind of blew up. Like, I'm fortunate enough to be writing for companies now that I've written for for 10 years, you know, and some of them, Mountain Dew, they, yeah, put a contract in front of me with a dollar figure. I was like, holy fuck, you're going to pay me that much. What do I need to do? They were like, just ride hang out and we'll film some tv ads like every now and again i was like sign me fucking up <laughs> and that was yeah it's fucking crazy it was really at the, at and, the right and, place and what the are time. the sponsors that you work with what are they getting out of it what do you think they get i out have of it? no idea but somehow they stick around and keep coming back i think it's more so being um because i worked in the media i was media savvy you know so obviously looking at um branding and advertising and and clients coming and going, you know, I kind of knew what they were looking for as far as um, sponsorship goes, you know, like, because I was like, fuck, maybe I should be more vocal about um, being being a BMXer and being involved with BMX and 
and working in the TV industry, and that works to my advantage, you know? Mm. Yeah. So, so, so if someone's listening to this now and they're thinking, you know, shit, I'm doing some cool stuff, I'm doing interesting stuff, right? How, how could, I mean, the sponsors came to you because of where you were and what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you weren't in that position and you were someone out doing BMX, doing mountain biking, doing yeah. cycling, and sponsorship was kind of like a, a uh, vehicle for you to do more yeah. stuff, what would you, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to I someone? think be different, you know, because I've always been someone who does shit different. Obviously, I fucking, you know, like, well, I've got tattoos and all that kind of shit like oh you never get a job you know fortunately in tv i can look this way that i can have a normal job in tv and stuff you know but um i think being different is one of the biggest things because um yeah we did a big massive campaign with mountain dew um called the mountain juice um skate pinball project and it was like a multi-million dollar project and went around the world and stuff like that I actually became really good friends with the main client and um, I was talking to her one day and I was like, you know, like, you know, this is amazing. Like, thank you so much for the opportunity. And she kind of went, you know, the big thing that stood out for you from the get go was that you were different and you were willing to do things differently. So I think that's a big part of it. Don't be pigeonholed into thinking what you think people might want. Just or as cliche as it sounds just be yourself you know because obviously mountain biking and road cycling and stuff every, everyone has a preconception of road cycling and there's always almost two facets to road cycling you have your um your core kind of stally kind of you know your pinarellos and your kind of upper end cycling and then the other side is the it's not hipster no it's not even hipster fixed gearing's dead but there's like another side of road cycling which is like the kind of i guess the crits and uh uh the kind of grinder riding and um you know uh cycle touring and stuff like that you know so there's those two kind of avenues you need to kind of slot yourself in to somewhere mm. between the two that an advertiser can go hang on a second we're getting the two best of both worlds right here. We're getting someone who can cross over between two scenes here and be credible, you know. That's but what it, I... But it sounds like as well, like, you're, the, the, like you almost like didn't realise what you were doing. Like, so when you're saying like, you know, be different, be interesting, you were just doing that because that's, that's kind of what you do, you know. Yeah, People exactly. looking in at what you're doing may, may, I don't know, I guess maybe call you, some people might call you weird. Some people might call you different. Some people might be like, I don't understand. But you would just do your thing. Exactly. That's the thing. I was just doing my thing. And sponsors were like, shit, like, this is different. You know, like, this is something completely fucking out of the ordinary and stuff, you know. And for a brand like Mountain Dew, they were like, they were all over it. They were just like, just do whatever the hell you want to do. It doesn't even have to be BMX related. They just found an interest in what I was doing. And I was like, fuck, okay, like, sweet. And that gave me more motivation to do out-of-the-box kind of projects, you know? And this like, is not even like, a, we're not talking social media stuff. No, now, this right? is before social media. So this is completely before that and stuff, you know? And I was, and I was still getting calls from people to do TV work uh, on my BMX and stuff like that. And the kind of penny dropped where I was doing ads and stuff. 
and I said to the art director, are you cool with me, like, with my, my stickers on my bike? And they're like, yep, sweet as. So as soon as they said that, I pulled all my stickers off, put on brand new stickers from all, from all my sponsors so that they had the best representation as they could, that they could, on this TV ad that went out to national TV, you know. It's about seeing the bigger picture, I think. But, but at this point, your sponsors didn't know you were doing the ad. No. It was and just so, a coincidence that you were doing this stuff yep. at the same time as having sponsors, sponsors from your own kind of like personal BMX kind of lifestyle. Exactly, exactly. So when the ad came out, they saw it and were like, holy shit. <laughs> Here's some, here's like, we'll sign you on for another year. I was like, fucking sweet, you know? So I was riding like pretty, I th like to think I was riding my bike pretty good, you know? Like I like to think I was a um, pretty good BMX rider. But just but, that. But then, so someone listening now, like thinking, what, what, when you're talking about BMX rider, what, yeah. what are we talking about? Like, like you, skate park. You... I was a skate park. Bit of dirt and stuff, but mostly skate park riding. Yeah. So, so, so skate park is we're talking about like a, like a, almost like a bowl. Yeah, exactly. So like a bowl, we had a place downtown called Vic Park and it had like a bowl, a box jump and, and hips, um, all built out of plywood and stuff. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to live up the road. So I rode there almost every day and just ride there constantly. Yeah. So just riding skate parks pretty much. Yeah. And some BMX dirt jumps too. Okay. And so, so like the, the, you, you're earning sponsorship kind of money here. You're working as well at the same time in like, TV, and then doing these ad things on the side, which is yeah. It was so fucking... uh, you know, some people might even think, oh, okay, why don't you just focus on the BMX stuff and do that kind of full time? Yeah. Did that did that ever cross your mind? No, well, it did, but the here's the crux: I didn't have to enter any competitions. You see. Because I'm, I'm naturally not a competitive person. I entered a couple here and there. Most of the time I was fucking shit-faced, hungover, <laughs> and just kind of spewing my guts out behind the ramps from the night before. But I entered a couple of competitions. I was like, ah, oh, fucking dog shit. But I quickly worked out that I can represent my sponsors and, and keep them happy and make money from that by doing these weird TV ads and these TV things, you know? So I didn't, I didn't need to compete. I didn't need to compete with anyone. All I needed to do was just ride, shoot some photos, shoot some videos, be in these ads, and I could kind of keep where I am. And that's still exactly the same today. So you're your own media star well, in, in the making. Well, I don't, I don't even know if it's media. It's being media savvy, maybe. Yeah, knowing, knowing what clients want. And going, right, I'm going to do this and I'm going to include the client with me, you know. Like with Burger Fuel and road cycling, I kind of said to them, oh, I've ridden road for a few years and stuff like that. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm, you know, I hurt my knee, so I needed to ro ride road quite a bit. Um, and just said to them, I'm going to ride road quite a, quite a bit. And they were like, what do, we, what do we need to do to support you? I was like, well, I don't know maybe some bibs or and they were like yep consider it done you know and then i was like they were like do you need a helmet i was like yeah you know so they kind of supported me along those ways and stuff you know and it's that kind of relationship where it's gotten to a point now where i can say oh i want to do this and they're like yep cool 
you know. So, so how do you, how do you like what, what how do you approach like a a sponsor or or someone you're working with and just say, I want to do this. I'm thinking of doing this. I want XXX. Is that how it yeah. works? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you break uh, again working in the media industry and learning all this stuff. You have to break it down into um, rationale. You have to break it down into quantifiable. What am I going to do for you, and what are you going to do for me? Uh, you have to break it down into a dollar value. You know, you have to be clinical in what you're doing. So I went to them. I was like, "Hey, I've I've found someone, um, Tootkit, Belinda at Tootkit. Um, she's given me a quote. What do you guys think? Yep, great. Can we get a design? Yep, no, no worries. And yeah, I think going into going into things with a plan has always been beneficial instead of going. Oh, I think I want to go overseas to do what? I might try and enter a contest, you know, like I've, I've never been someone who's wanted to enter a contest overseas, but I'm fortunate enough that people have said, oh, hey, there's something going on overseas. Do you want to go? We'll send you. What do I need to do? Uh, just go have a good time and, <laughs> and represent our brand and, st- you know, like I was like, okay, cool, cool. And of course, shoot photos and shoot some video here and there. But yeah, I guess it's a bigger picture of what they do for you as a, a, in return for what you've done for them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've got shitloads of stuff going on. Mm, mm. <laughs> you know, like Lots of things going on. Yeah, all this yeah. stuff going on in parallel. So you're working, you're kind of like doing your, kind of like your own stuff on, yeah. the, on the skate parks. You've got a sponsorship deals going on. You're kind of doing a few events if you want to do them, yeah. Um, and hanging out, and then also doing your own personal film stuff, yeah. So how do you get from kind of like doing all that, working full time, <coughs> to being here where we are now in your own well, studio? Yeah, your that's an interesting one because I was working using the skills that I kind of learnt from dealing with my own sponsors and BMX and stuff. I ended up working for TVNZ in the creative department, producing uh, TV ads for clients of TVNZ. So like scripting ads and writing them and then um, producing them, directing them. And um, I always knew that was money. there's money in advertising, you know. But when you work at the bottom or the semi-bottom, you, there's always someone up top that's creaming the pie, right? And so... I quickly found out that I was doing all this work at the bottom and someone up top was sending off an invoice or going out for lunch Fridays with a client and being swept away for weekends. They didn't actually kind of do anything per se. They just handed what I'd done onto the client on behalf of the company, you know. And so I, in my time there, I was like, fuck, hang on a sec. Like, I've done all this work. And, and, and anyone listening who, who has worked in the creative field will know exactly what you're yeah. talking about right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you do all this work, you hand it to an account director, they take it to the client, the client loves it, kiss, 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 smush, 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 take you out for dinner, darling, oh, great, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're left working till 5.30, 6 o'clock. And then you go home and... And, and you work on the next project. Yeah, and then you work on yeah. the next project, you know. And I was like, fuck. No, this doesn't seem right to me. You know, like... And I... At the time, I was like, could I go off and do my own thing? I'd always... Again, I'd always fucked around with video cameras and editing and stuff. But I was like, fuck it, you know. Like, 
I'm just going to go all in, put all my eggs in a basket and leave and just start using the contacts that I've made through the industry and the contacts that I've made through BMX to generate my own kind of destiny really. And I did that and I think I've been doing this seven years now and still... So, so that, that, that kind of moment, yeah, that, that yeah. moment when yeah. you kind of said, I'm doing this. Yeah. What was what was that like? Uh, it was after a Christmas party actually at uh, TVNZ, and it was a big, massive foray, and like you know, rah 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 rah. And um, I left there, and I was super hammered, and I was in a taxi home, and I was just thinking to myself, I was like, "Fuck!" Like I can edit, I can animate, I can shoot, I can direct, I can write, I can produce. You know, I was like. Fuck those cunts, basically. Not to, uh, if anyone from DVNZ is listening to this, but sorry. Um, oh yeah, I was basically like, fuck those cunts, man. Like, you know. So this is your, 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 your moment of inspiration came yeah, whilst, yeah. whilst oh, intoxicated in a taxi. Yeah, going I was hammered in a taxi going home after a Christmas party. I, I, ooh, I felt rage, you know. I felt white hot rage just seeing the, the number figures that had gone across my desk quickly to clients and stuff like that. You know, because obviously you do work and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good bit of work. Like I worked hard on that. That's worth something. And then you see the markup that gets put on top of that, the operational cost that's put on top of that. And the client pays it willy nilly and takes the account director out for lunch. And, you know, bleh. I was like, fuck you, cunts. I can do this myself. And then handed in my resignation uh, when I went back at the start of the year. And I was like, I'm out. And they were like, what are you doing? And I went and got business cards made over the Christmas holidays. I was like, this is what I'm doing. See yous. And they were like, oh, okay. Yeah. And that was it, basically. But luckily enough, I walked out of there and into a project with Mountain Dew, a BMX project. So I already had something to go to. Okay, yeah. so you already like jumped out. You spread your yeah. message and then everyone kind of like... Things start coming in. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And word of mouth and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. It happened organically from there. Oh, fuck. Mm. All right. But, yeah, I was livid, man. I was livid for four or five months just working, working, and, like, you know, like, invoices going out. And like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, like, uh, uh, account directors, business development managers, like, Friday, kind of midday, getting ready, tidying themselves up to go out for, on the piss for the rest of the day with a client and they kind of be barking orders at you like, oh, hey, don't forget, you need to deliver those uh, files by four o'clock to be on air. And you're kind of going, yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. Yep, I'll get it done. And they fuck off to lunch at the pub with the client. And you're like, the fuck? The which which is, which from, from my experience of working at similar levels and seeing all this kind of happening, it's kind of like, quite typical across all, all creative all agency yeah. creative kind of industries where there is this kind of like the the workforce slaving away yeah you know, the it's almost kind of, kind of like a like a like a ship you know yeah. like like an old school ship where the guys are rowing at the bottom and they're moving it and the guys at the top are having a great time you know yeah drinking champagne and and, and and having a good time exactly steering the ship in the direction that they think you're meant to be going but they have no fucking idea mm. of what they're doing you know but the the, the thing is as well as that Almost imagine 90% of these people rowing this boat at the bottom, you know, 
there's only a small percent that think I'm going to get off and do something different. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. row my own ship somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, and you took that kind of yeah. It's a gamble. It. It's a fucking gamble, man. I had um, I had a two year old kid at the time, a mortgage and stuff, a whole lot of commitments, you know, outside of that. And I was like, fuck, am I doing the right thing here? Like, but I couldn't, I, it got to a point where I couldn't go another day kind of dealing with the fact that someone else was not taking kudos for your work, but was taking your work and going, oh yeah, we, we, here you go. We've done an amazing job. And the client going, thank you so much. Like, you know, now and again, the client would go, oh, hey, tell the editor, like, you know, like, thank you or the animator. Thank you. And, you know, like. But a lot of the time, it was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, you stay there. You've done all the work, so you stay there. I'm going going over here, you know? And that kind of, it drove me out the wall, yeah. Because I was always brought up from a young age, you treat everyone as you'd want to be treated, and you treat everyone with respect. And I found a lot of disrespect in the advertising kind of, industry for people who put in the hard yards the editors the animate you know the animators were at oh fuck again if anyone's listening from tvnz you know what i'm saying the animators are kept in like a downstairs like almost windowless box where they're kind of um you know just ferreting away and stuff and and people come down and bark orders at them and they need to like be lashed with a whip and stuff you know these guys should be they should be celebrated and they should be kind of, they're the guys that are doing the work. The illustrators, the animators, the editors, you know, these yeah, guys yeah. are making it happen. Yeah. I well, think. If you think in, in, in the creative world we, we, we kind of live in there, the, the, there's, if you think about anyone at the creative top, they're doing their own thing, you know, from the Steven Spielbergs to the, you know, the artists and stuff. They, yeah, these are the, yeah. the, the, the people that are celebrated more than than you know, an account manager. Or yeah, a, exactly. Or, or a director of something. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I hope the model ch of the ad industry changes in the next wee while, you know, to a leader needs to lead from the back. You don't lead from the front kind of going, yeah, you know, like, uh, like I'm the leader. <laughs> you lead, you push people from behind, you know, you say, right, I'm going to be, the driving force for all of you to move forward you know and that's where you stay you stay in behind you know you stand behind to pick up the stragglers you stand behind to make sure that the ship is moving forward not up the front fucking flapping your arms around you know people need people know what they need to do you don't need to fucking try and dictate to people what they need to do in their jobs yeah hello guys midway through uh, i hope you're enjoying the show uh i just wanted to jump in and just say thank you for listening um it's really cool that i share this and i see people listen to it and i kind of want to grow it into something pretty cool and unique and something that's a little bit different from what's already out there uh, and also something that you guys can listen to and find interesting so if you have any feedback uh you want to leave a review you can do that on whatever app you listen to it on um, and you can also just drop me a message uh, give me a follow on instagram um, give me a thumbs up if you use anchor fm which is what i use to upload the podcast you can also feedback on that as well that'd be super cool 
uh, and spread the message a little bit. Like I said, when I start traveling, this is gonna be more of a regular thing for me to share the journey, share the change in culture and landscape and sounds uh, and people. So stay tuned. One of the biggest clients I kind of see who you mm -hmm. work with quite quite consistently yeah. is uh, Red Bull. Yeah. So how do they come about? Uh, so Red Bull came about, I was obviously BMXing quite a bit and stuff like that. And uh, they had just signed a New Zealand BMX rider and stuff, a young kid. And uh, somehow it got back to Red Bull through the ways that I was a filmer and stuff. I was involved in, in the filming industry. And they approached me about working with this young kid uh, on a bunch of projects, basically. And I guess from there, after that initial connection, we made a whole bunch of other connections where they didn't need a, a few contacts in the industry, but I helped them kind of connect a few dots and stuff like that. So my knowledge became beneficial to them and stuff, yeah. And then started working with the young kid I already knew a couple of the Red Bull athletes outside of um, working with Red Bull as well, just from working in the action sports industry. Um, and yeah, it kind of blossomed from there really. And lots of projects, lots of um, motocross, BMX, kayaking, mountain bike. Oh God, what else? a whole bunch of culture and music projects I've done for them. Um, uh, drifting, Mad Mike, a whole bunch of projects. Yeah, it's been crazy. So, so what? So let's talk about the the, the the most recent kind of stuff you did for for Red Bull and so the stuff you did with Levi. Yep, yep, with Levi Sherwood. So Levi, Levi, and I've been well. Levi and I have been friends for years, but um, I knew knew of Levi when he was like maybe twelve or something like that. Yeah, like a little kid. Heard his name going around and stuff. The action sports industry in New Zealand's fairly small. And then um, getting to work with him, a whole bunch of Red Bull projects. He came to me um, with a project that he wanted to do about reinventing uh, freestyle motocross jumps. And yeah, he wanted, he kind of singled me out as the kind of, I want you to film and make it and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yep, yep, sounds good. So we bypassed. Red Bull New Zealand, and it was done for Red Bull International, which was cool. So, yeah. So, 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 so Levi himself, mm. like, I mean, I don't know anything about Levi yep. until I watched the videos, and then I kind of did a bit of digging around, mm. and I found out kind of, but he's kind of like a big deal. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Worldwide big deal. Yeah, he's a, uh, an amazing athlete, a better person, and a massive, massive deal in freestyle motocross. Yeah, he's won... Pretty much almost every freestyle motocross competition there is. He's, I think he's got a, um, he's got a reputation for like extending his tricks because he's quite a small guy. Yeah, he's quite rubbery and just, yeah, he's uh, like a, a superstar basically. Yeah, but lives in the back lot of Palmerston North in the middle of fucking nowhere in a house that he's built just by himself tinkering away yeah it's it's 
a pretty interesting story. Yeah, his so, story is pretty interesting. So, so the so following the story that that you published online, mm-hmm. so you can go and check it out on your site. Um, so this is kind of following, I guess, the story is that he's building something to to execute at an event. Yeah. In 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 America. Somewhere. At X Games, yeah. At the X Games, X, the biggest uh, event on the calendar of the action sports you know, yeah. industry and stuff. Yep, so and, he, and he had, by by watching the, the, the stuff, he had some tricks up his sleeve. Yep, he knew he, what he was going to do. Yeah. Um, and so what I'm interested in is how, like the, the, when I watched the three episodes, you've got the first one, which is kind of building up to this kind of like big epic kind of showdown. The second one is about him building and talking about kind of what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, and then the third episode, <laughs> so you kind of get excited for watching this big X, X yeah. game showdown. And then um, you capture him through your drone footage, I guess. But we'll describe what happened. Yeah, um, so that footage came from a... So we finished up filming, and we were like, okay, 10 days out from... Oh, no, two weeks, sorry, from X Games. So I was... He'd already booked all his tickets and stuff, and his uh, Red Bull athlete manager um, was taking care of him and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm flying in on this day. So we'll meet up then. Yep, yep, cool, cool. Okay, I'll ring you next week before you fly out. And uh, yeah, he was filming with another guy um, who does a bit of bits and pieces for him. And he was just riding, you know, he wasn't doing it. He'd already done his tricks that we'd already shot. So he didn't need to do them again. He needed to do them in competition, but he didn't need to do them for the camera. And he was just riding and somehow, I think he was saying he went to do a ruler flip, which is like a backflip with a Superman and stuff. And as he pulled off the lip, he lost a bit of power in his rev. And that just sent the bike kind of into a bit more of a spin. And he bailed out and landed on his feet and shattered his uh, heel on one of his, on his right foot. Yeah. So the, the, so the third episode of the show... Kind of like it starts with the the 3D kind of render of, mm-hmm. of the foot mm-hmm. broken into what? How many pieces? Oh, like, like it was it's fucked. Like 30 or 40 pieces or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The They had to break his ankle open to get into one of the bones to, to drill it back into oh, the fuck. heel. Yeah. So he didn't have a broken ankle. He had a shattered heel. But now... He has a broken ankle <laughs> as well, you know. So, so like as as a filmmaker, yeah, like yeah. What, when when you get that call, yeah, like you're, I guess you're packing your shit, you're getting ready, yeah, to go yeah, over yeah, to the yeah. games, you you're, you're kind of all set, yeah. What happens? Luckily for me, so how it works with um, a lot of these projects is that you spend the money and then you get the money back in your final invoice. So I was just about to book my flights for me, a photographer our airbnb and everything like um maybe five six grand and yeah i got a call from levi just saying um uh something's happened and that's kind of the end of it and i was like oh shit okay so he was going into surgery um that day and stuff and i was like okay good luck with surgery and shit and i kind of thought that was it you know like i was like oh we're kind of fucked yeah and then he went in for surgery and i think i spoke to him the day out 
I was like, how are you going and stuff? He's like, yeah, good. He was like, oh, what, do you think there's any way to kind of save what we've done? And I was like, oh, actually, you know, like you take a bad situation and you flip it on its head. I was like, what about, what if you just be completely blunt and straight up with what happened, you know, because he was going there, all his fans were like, yeah, can't wait to see you ride. Chances are he was going to win a gold medal and take home X Games gold, you know. And so we were just like, why don't we just be pragmatic and upfront about it and explain to everyone what happened, you know. Shit happens. And that's life, you know. And that's that's always been Levi's kind of way of thinking is shit happens. He's never, he's never been overly stressed or overly mm. kind of, you know. But yeah, we were just like, well, let's do that. So we make the uh, best as we can out of a bad situation. But yeah, it was... It was pretty bad. So, so let's like, so, so where, where are you at today? Kind of like as a filmmaker, yeah. As a BMXer, uh, as a road yep. cyclist now, sponsored road cyclist for uh, Burger Fuel. Yeah, yeah. Like it's what, kind what? of funny because Burger Fuel, uh, number one, my BMX sponsor. But I kind of said to them, oh, I'm going to start riding single speed road. Yeah, because I've ridden single speed for for a few years. I've ridden from Santa Monica to LA single speed and stuff. And um, yeah, they were just kind of like, whatever the fuck you want to do, we'll support you all the way and stuff, you know. I was kind of like, well, I need, need a kit, you know. Like, I was just going to get like a random kit and stuff. And I was like, well, what are you guys thinking? They were like, cool, just let us know how much and that's the end of that and stuff you know i might not en- enter a couple of races but kind of like do a couple of races and stuff but it's more so just just riding really the only person i'm racing is myself really you know so so uh, when you think about the, the kind of like uh the cycling kind of either events or the kind of things you want to do or yep. the types of rides you want to do do you think about that in a different way to most people do you think about it through the the, the, the eye of a, of, a, of a filmmaker? Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've shot, you know, BMX I've known for all my life and, you know, I can shoot BMX and tell BMX stories till the cows come home. But a few years ago, I worked with um, a, a couple of road cycling companies and stuff you know and learnt the intricate ins and outs of of how high performance competitive road cycling works and how the industry works as well and the ins and outs of the road cycling industry too so that was really interesting stuff to get involved with and yeah there's so many more stories to tell on that you know because i've obviously told quite a few bmx stories i can see there's so many more stories on the road cycling side to tell, you know, like that may 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 have not been told, you know, like yeah. So so how how does the the the, the kind of I guess the, the the question is that how does the culture change between BMX, mountain biking, and road cycling change from kind of your perspective? So if you, if you're commissioned to do work with either one, yeah. either 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 an individual or a team or or an event. Yeah. How how does the story change, and how do you see? How do you kind of, I guess, approach either one of those kind of projects differently? I think um, BMX, because I am a BMXer. That's kind of I can already tell what's happening. I can already kind of 
the big thing well i'll start sorry i'll start from the start the big thing with any any of the projects working with either of these or any high performance sport is walking in and already having the end product already in your brain so you're not walking in going because these pe these people's time is a precious to them they only have a a limited time window to their performance and they really don't want someone with a camera in their face like just asking them random how do you feel are your legs sore you know like so it's already walking in with a with a preformed plan of like okay i need this i need this i need this i need this and that's it you know so with bmx i can fucking shoot bmx and talk bmx till the, till the cows come home mtb it's kind of letting the riders dictate what they want to do where they want to do and, and you know working to the riders schedule and with road i think it's just kind of standing back and letting them do what they do and capturing those moments you know so there's three distinct styles to capturing those kind of stories i think but again at the root of them you've always got to have um a solid backbone to those stories so what's the motivation why are they doing it um how not how are they feeling but like if you can get inside their head that's quite a good one mm. yeah and and so when you say you're kind of like you don't go there just pointing the camera asking yeah. those stupid yeah. questions what kind of what do you do beforehand then uh it's even just sitting with them with the iphone like having a couple of beers and the iPhone on record just to get the dark. The main thing you want is the dialogue. You can cover the dialogue up with pretty pictures till the count till the cows come home, you know. But if you've got dog shit dialogue, like oh that race went good, that was a busy race, like the group came up real fast. No, you want to hear someone who's completely fucked or like completely upset or livid, you know, like. You want to get the kind of true, raw, unedited emotions, and then you can edit from there. Yeah, so it's yes. almost like working backwards, really. But it, but interestingly, as a as a filmmaker, uh, a guy that works with uh, video cameras, your initial kind of practice is to go in with a with an iPhone. Well, yeah, yeah. Record. Ultimately, with a camera, and you know, just kind of getting a couple of grabs. But if I can tell that the, the situation's a bit heated or or the rider doesn't feel like it, or the rider's like on edge, then just simply capturing an audio grab, you know, that's the most important thing. And you find that you get a lot more out of them if you don't have a camera completely like fucking up in their mm. face, you know? Yeah. So, so, that, so, that, so that's a kind of road, it's a mountain bike I'm quite interested in. So you, you, you say you, you, you're dictated by the rider, and why in, is that so important about the rider? Being? With road? With mountain biking. Oh, with MTV? Yeah. Because they're, they're just kind of, do, you know, like they might have a line that they want to do and they're concentrated on that line. So what you need to do is you get need to get quick little commentary on why they're interested in that, why that line. You know, like, oh, I think it's going to be the fastest because there's a rut there and I can carve around there to the left. And then you just kind of 
you capture them riding that line as opposed to you going, oh, hey, mate, do you think you could like ride down there? What about over there? Like, that's not going to be really good for the camera angle. It's like kind of tough shit if it's that's what the rider wants to do. So you can't. So, so this is a, this is a, so like um, if like you, a if downhill. You, if, if you're imagining like a like a mountain biker coming down, yeah, a mountain, like a like a a path. There's no kind of like a. I guess what you're saying is there's no kind of like path set out for which direction they're going to take. Yeah, and and they're choosing the lines, the racing line, and then you you're trying to find the. The position to be in to capture it exactly that's based on what the rider is deciding yeah. to do and it's about i think a lot of it's about intuition as well it's about reading the rider you know like as we all know being cyclists you can kind of tell by some someone's body position like what they're doing and where they're going so if you can just kind of watch engage see them kind of get off the pedals and kind of move their body position into into a position going into a turn or something like that you can be like okay, all right, I see where you're going, you know, it's like a, an intricate dance between two, you know, yeah, but the most important thing is just to let the rider, you know, you're, you're only there to capture it, you're not there to kind of go, hey mate, can we get another one of you, or like, hey, real one that gets my, gets my back up is, because why I don't use them lots is, can we just get a GoPro on that? Can we can we just chuck a mm. GoPro on real quick? You know, and so, go, so GoPro has become like, from my experience, has become like the the, the go to tool for anyone doing anything that's moving. You know? Yeah, like they just stick a GoPro. Yeah, and also for people in the industry, always kind of tell me that it's it's it's, it's not great. The quality no. is the quality is great if the the light's good. Yeah, you know if etc. But but generally speaking, it's not. I don't want to talk shit on GoPro because GoPro has its place and it has its market, but it's a um, it's a cop out, you know. It's a it's an easy out angle, you know. You need to kind of get in there and and have a formed story as a you know like I understand GoPro, you know this is a GoPro run and you have four or five GoPros. That's cool, man. That's sweet as. But for to kind of get into the head of an athlete and stuff, you need to kind of be a bit more engaged. Yeah. So I want to I want to talk a, a little bit about um. The, the, the sponsorship stuff of like yep. today you know like where it is today you know i mean you've kind of been involved in the sponsorship in a, in a different kind of um in a different kind of way to most people i guess like yeah yeah you, you know yep. you've been you've been i guess you've been part of the industry at the same time as, as being involved in the sponsorship so yep. you've kind of like understood how it all works um what what do you kind of see like you know today's kind of like you know i guess sponsorship slash um the whole new media kind of like a element of of the social media kind of people and stuff like that i mean where do you kind of like see yourself kind of fitting into kind of like all these kind of new kids on the block yeah yeah stuff? yeah yeah i'm a <clears throat> i'm no spring chicken by any chance you know i'm almost skirting 40 you know but um i'm fortunate enough to have the same sponsors that i've had like 13 years ago you know um, Vans, Burger Fuel, Triple Six, T Whites, um, ridden for Oakley, ridden for Clive Backpacks, ridden for Mountain Dew. Um, yeah, it's interesting, man. Like, I think you've, if you're going to represent a brand, you've just got to, you've got to represent the brand, you know. And all these sponsors, like, 
to make really clear were yeah. kind of like uh, began kind of like before the whole social media yeah. kind of shit came <clears> up, right? So the, yeah, so this was in the kind of early 2000s, you know, in the 2000s, basically. There was no social media. Um, there was MySpace, maybe, but there was fuck all happening there, you know. But it was more so there was word of mouth and it was what you could do for your sponsor, you know, like, and that's luckily where I fucking slotted in because I worked in the TV industry, you know, and that gave me, gave me ammunition to be able to say to my sponsors, well, this is what I'm like, this is, they'd say to me, what's happening in the next six months? I'd say, well, I've got this TV ad and this TV show wants to film this, film this, and you know, I just kept my writing at a level where it was acceptable. Of course, I tried my you know hardest and stuff and pushed the boundaries, but I didn't need to compete. And I think that's that's maybe an avenue that people need to maybe explore a little bit more. I know that that whole influencer marketing and all that shit is fucking kind of capitalizing on that. But I think if you're if you're related to or representing a brand, then you need to become part of that brand. Because fortunate enough for me, fortunately enough for me, I became I'm now absorbed in the brands that I represent. So now I, I do work for Burger Fuel, I do work for Vans, um, I do some work for T Whites, you know, like so you you don't become just um, a sponsored athlete or a branding position you actually become infused in the brand mm. so what, what i mean what's your view on the, the influencer the growth of the influencer yeah and the, the, the the pros and the cons to to to, to be an influencer yeah uh, and, and i mean maybe explain what what an influencer is from your well, perspective first i'm not gonna first things i'm not gonna kind of um say that i know a lot about influencer marketing you know like i've kind of have no idea really i kind of know what i do and what i don't do and stuff but i think influencer marketing is a fucking weird one man like maybe it's about i guess consumer consumption you know like what what are you what are you trying to get across to your consumers are you trying to get across that i want to sell your product by working with someone who is good looking and someone who is fits the perfect kind of brand representation for our brand or do you want to connect with consumers on a more intimate level about your brand and what your brand stands for and your brand ethos you know because because you can peddle a product to the to the cows come home and everyone can kind of get oh yeah but if you peddle a concept or an idea that everyone stands behind and goes yeah i that I agree with those that brand ethos and that brand ideology and stuff you know that might have a lot more cut through than giving someone who has 200,000 Instagram followers a thousand dollars for every post as opposed to someone who is fucking working their ass off a thousand dollars to do a project that you can film and produce and be can have more benefit to your brand um not in the long run but you know so this kind of like jumps back into kind of what you said at the beginning mm. when you first started out and you first got that first gig with the bmx side of things yeah and that you kind of said that you know just being different and being 
yourself yeah at the same time yeah, yeah exactly fighting finding finding comfortable in who you are and being who you are and stuff and not not even having an opinion or not saying this is good or this is how it's meant to be just being who you are and forging your own path you know if it, someone will take notice and be like actually we agree with those kind of you know like we that that's on the same kind of moral path or or the same ethos as we are like we should work together you know like we're not working together to sell a product we're working together because we like what you're doing and we like the direction that you're going you know i think influencer marketing and brand marketing are kind of two different sides of the coin you know like when you're in, when you're intimately involved in a brand i think the connection is a lot more um original yeah as opposed to an influencer who's like hey guys i just got these new um bloody fucking aero bars like you know they're really good and uh don't i look great at this cafe it's like or would you rather see someone who's fucking in, sh in the box up a mountain somewhere like fucking just spent with these bars that are kind of semi-twisted but their hands are all fucked up and you know like mm. yeah so so i guess the what, what, what it sounds like there's there's, there's an influencer marketing there's kind of like the people that have been paid to push yeah product, yeah yeah you know very deliberately yeah and they're saying cool look at me i'm wearing this new mm -hmm. kit that's just been sent to me for free buy it now yeah here's a promo code yeah and then you've almost got the kind of like the almost the side of what you're doing which is like kind of working with people for a reason you know working yeah. with people because you want to work with them and that um there's longevity to that yeah you know? exactly it's the not someone saying i want to trade you some cash for promoting my products you know I, I imagine probably on your social stuff you don't promote a new burger coming out with burger fuel yeah you know yeah yeah you, yeah you, you want to it's because you work with them because of yeah exactly there's there's no like paid post thing or anything the, the whole social media thing to me I'll be honest with you, is kind of fucking, I, I do it, you know, but it's not like I'm like, oh, I better check and like, oh, I'd get my post up and all that shit. And, you know, I'd rather, when I go riding, I don't have a computer. I don't fucking have any gears. I have music. I put my phone on fucking uh, airplane mode and I'm off, mm -hmm. you know, like when I go riding, I want to be disconnected from the world, you know, I don't want to fucking be bombarded with information when I'm writing you know so I think it's the same kind of possibility with like brand marketing and stuff you don't want to be bombarded by someone saying again promo code guys like go buy it now like 25% off it's like you want to hear it from someone who's fallen off it's fucking torn to shreds and being like well I fell off it's fucking it's fucked but it held to get you know like this is why i'm wearing it and stuff you know and i'll i'll keep wearing it yeah, yeah yeah so it's interesting as well you kind of like talk about when you go out for a ride you kind of switch your plane switch your phone to airplane mode you don't want to be disturbed yeah. by shit you don't want to be like you're not really you're not really kind of like switching on your instagram to go and check nah. the updates check yeah what's going on um i'm not living in this world when i go riding you know if that makes sense i'm in another world and that's that's yes i think that's the escapism of cycling is that you don't 
you're not living in as as bizarre or weird as it sounds you're not living in a reality you're just existing for your legs to keep moving and stuff you know and thoughts to come and go in your head there's no like well i don't know it's different for everyone i guess but when i go cycling there's no like oh, i need to fucking do this or i need to do that or i need to do that. the only thing i'm thinking about is make you, my fucking legs are better keep working you know mm. and that's kind of kind of it and music as well obviously music's a massive thing too you know it sounds like pretty much how me and you right then yeah airplane mode spotify get the go, yeah get the put a podcast out. on like this one yeah and uh get that's it in. yeah <laughs> but it is though man it's about i know it's been said a bunch of times before but it's about escaping reality really isn't it it's about seeing life in a different way fucking cars go by people go by you know life goes by and shit but all you have to worry about is keeping your legs moving really and but then <clears throat> another factor is the pain factor you know everyone talks about the pain factor and how far you can fucking push yourself to go and that's again that's an that's an amazing fucking thing to do you know to mentally challenge yourself to challenge your brain to tell your body to just keep going faster faster don't stop don't stop even though your legs are about to fucking self-implode or some shit you know you can feel the fucking um the stuff building up in your muscles and shit and like uh... yeah so when so when me and logan more talked about coaching you know we talked about kind of like one of the biggest Probably one of the most difficult things to coach is the the, the mental aspect as well mm. of, of riding a bike, you know, or, or at least training to, to to go faster. You know, is that some of it? Some of it is you know physical. You physically can't push yourself to, to a certain point because um, your body won't allow you to, and it needs to recover, it needs to do etc. But the other part of it is 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 the mental side. You know, the the side where you 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 kind of your brain is telling you not to go any further, you know, not to push any harder. But yet you kind of have to, you know, that's that's the, the moment where you kind of... Yeah, like exactly, forward. you know, and I think that's, it's up to an individual to kind of go, is this how far you're willing to go? Is this how far you're willing to fucking, or is there something else in the tank, you know? And obviously high-performance athletes, triathletes, um, high-performance road cyclists obviously think this. But it's like, is this what you're willing to kind of give up on? Or are you, is there more... That you have to give you know when the top of the mountains within reach and shit you know like it's an it's a it's an interesting thing because unlike um rugby or like um tennis or anything like that um physically um muscular explosive sports cycling can just wear your physical down you know you can just you're worn down, worn down. Oh, much like uh, running as well, like Olympic running, long distance running and shit, you know. You can physically be worn down, but mentally your mind's still telling you, go, 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 don't stop, don't stop, you know. So so, so, so as a filmmaker yep. and as a storyteller and uh, a narrative kind of writer, what, what, what attracted to covering cycling events, people, you know the sport generally i think it's obviously cycling is fun at its roots but i think it's capturing the 
different emotions and the different um, thought processes and the different hurdles that people have to overcome to get where they are, you know. With BMX, again, BMX is an easy one for me because I am a BMX, so I know what what that kind of psyche takes to kind of ride in a comp. And if you don't put your comp run together, then you're kind of blowing it. But you could come back and best trick maybe something like mountain bike as well, choosing the right line. You might take a risk on that line, but it might mean the difference one second faster than someone behind you, you know. So there's that calculated risk with road as well. It's about being clinical in your riding, you know, like and uh, obviously working in a team, you know, because that's something that something big that I learnt about road cycling, working with um, teams and brands and stuff is the clinical aspect of it, you know. Because I just thought that um, you ride from A to B as fast as you can, and that's kind of it, you know. But there's that whole kind of um, strategy, um, you know, putting your climber up and stuff, and then uh, the tactics and stuff, who's attacking, you know, like, as well as feeding, resting, all that kind of thing, you know. I found that really interesting to learn and stuff as well, you know. But you really see people's true colours come out when you see them about to fucking mentally and physically tap out, you know. It's a brilliant thing to see. And is that what you look for? Oh, completely. That's like, yes, yes. When you capture someone, you can see it in their eyes when they're like flickering between reality and and passing out, you know. You're like, ooh, ooh, they just held on, you know. Like it's... It's amazing, you know. That's what you want to capture, you know. I'm not, I'm not fucking, I'm not worried about fucking capturing someone in slow-mo, like coming across the line, like hands in the air or fucking anything like that. Or, you know, I want to capture the moment where someone's about to fucking lose reality, you know, lose touch with reality, you know, like where they're so physically and, and mentally spent that they're like, and it's a that's an intimate moment to capture man like and and it only happens like fucking every once in a while you know and you'd be honored to catch someone in that state of mind and stuff you know because that's something that could be it possibly is embarrassing or like it's um some people see it as a bad thing and stuff where they're so physically spent and so physically fucking exhausted that they're about to pass out you know that some people are like i don't don't show that because i'm embarrassed but it's great when someone's like fuck i gave it my all and i almost fucking got to the edge but i just saved it you know triathletes man triathletes are the fucking yeah they're the craziest for it you know because they push them they physically push themselves beyond fucking what they're capable of and it's just their mind going their bodies look at their bodies they're fucking in prime physical condition you know not an ounce of fat on them but they're battling their fucking mind to push themselves further than the guy next to them yeah so what what, what are the uh next uh if you had to choose a project you could you could spend your life working on what would it be ah Uh, you know are you, uh, going, are you going out with the road cycling team for the rest of the year 
Are you hanging out with the BMX kind of event? Uh, I don't know if I'd like to hang out with. No, I shouldn't <laughs> say that. I'd love to do another massive big BMX project and stuff. But again, maybe, yeah, working with someone, someone like a working on a project with someone like an Eddie Dawkins or someone or like a like a road cyclist or someone who is willing to open their lives to kind of you know to because everyone everyone knows someone who's a good athlete you know they're an amazing athlete but are they a good person you know there's two sides to every coin and I'm interested in telling if you're already a brilliant cyclist, fucking, you're already a brilliant cyclist, you know. But what what adversities have you had in your life to overcome to get to where you are, you know? Like, everyone, everyone has a story to tell. And I'm interested in telling the story behind what it takes to be the best, you know. And not even be the best, or be the best person that you can be, you know. Mm. Because you can, you can be number one. But you might not necessarily be the best, you know. Like, yeah, that's something. And that's quite interesting because when I spoke to uh, Logan Moore, his kind of whole purpose in what he does is, I guess, to the to, to the to achieve a certain goal, like you know, a broad goal. It's more like how do you get them to to get to their best? How do they? How do you can push them in a comfortable way where they can they can they can perform better and reach their own goals? Yeah, like exactly, that. exactly. And that's from a storyteller's perspective, a lot more interesting than filming someone win- winning a gold medal. You know, like mm. a gold, like a gold medal. Like there's always going to be someone behind that person wanting to get that gold medal. You know, but I want to know how that person grew up, how they fucking, what they had to overcome in their lives, what happened to them to get to the point where they were in contention for that gold medal, you know? Because a gold medal is fucking, it's neither here nor there, you know? I just want to know about you as a person and, again, why you why you took up the cycling and how it propelled you to where you are now, you know? Mm. Yeah. So it's quite interesting because do, do, do you think, like, almost your, your background growing up as from humble beginnings kind of wants you to create these stories which are more tangible and, and, and in a way that we can all kind of take something from them. Yeah, yeah. Rather I, than a gold medal is something that yeah. no one can really aspire to a gold medal. Yeah. But we can aspire to be the other guy. Exactly. I think it's got it's definitely got a lot to do with it. I remember growing up, yeah, we didn't have lots of money, um, couldn't buy clothes or shoes that we wanted as kids and stuff. And I remember having to kind of scavenge bike parts from... Um, the dump you know and having to pull bikes out of a river to get um cones and bearings out of the wheels and shit you know and that's the truth man like you you make do with what you've got and i think those tangible stories of of people doing what they need to do to get where they're going you know like because i i did it because all i wanted to do was ride bikes and if i stripped out a cone nut I, I didn't have fucking 40 cents to go to the bike shop and, you know, so I had to kind of go, oh, shit, what am I going to do? Well, my dad's going to the dump, so I'll go to the dump with him and I'll kind of scour around and find a bike to get a fucking 
nut wheel nut off of you know like but we might think it when you're telling this story you might think ah oh, you know feel sorry for you back then but actually back then probably that was just a completely normal day yeah it was com- yeah it was completely normal and that's life and that's how it is you know like but uh, yeah i want to know um those kind of stories from people not who are in the cycling limelight but like who have who have made it to a high level but regardless of if they've kind of succeeded or not, you know, like that, I want to try and get to know people who have crawling it, crawled out of a shit situation, basically, and what they've needed to do to get out of that situation, you know, because to me that's the most appealing kind of content, really. That everyone can relate to. That you know? everyone can relate to. Yeah, everyone knows someone who's had cancer. Everyone knows someone who's possibly been beaten. Beaten as a child or like some shit like some had something shit happen to them as a, ch- as a child but it's what they've done to get out of that situation and again there's that common theme of cycling maybe that they've taken up cycling you know like yeah so there's the gold the fucking fanfare all that shit rah, 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 you know it's all that's what you want to do with nice slow-mos and fucking all that shit but i want to know how shit your childhood was and what you had to deal with and how you crawled out of a cesspit of shit and domestic violence and a dad who fucking drank too much and stuff, you know, to get where you are now. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Cool, man. Well, the last question I've got is, so you kind of ride BMX, you ride road, you ride mountain bike, you know, I can probably already guess your answer. But yep. if you had to pick one bike out of all of them to ride for the rest of your life, what would it be? BM fucking X, man. It's fucking... So I'm a, da- so I'm a dad. Um, I have two kids. One, my daughter is 10 and my son is 2. And I ride my daughter to school on my BMX. And it's still, to this day, fucked up how people can't fathom that you ride a BMX. They're like... Oh, like, oh, cool, you're both riding kids' bikes, you know? Like, I'd like to think I'm a grown-ass man, you know? Like, I'm kind of an adult. But people can't join the dots, you know? Like, people can't join the dots that it's, it's, um, it's just norm, you know? But to me, it's been normal for fucking 20-plus years, you know? But, but even, even myself, as a road cyclist, when I see someone yeah. riding a BMX, I think... Shit, that can't be comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not comfortable. It's not for everyone, you know. Like, yeah, definitely for sure. But for uh, for us people who have done it for our lives, we don't know any different, you know. For me, um, I think my missus said to me a while ago, like, you know, like what what else what else is there to you or some shit like that, you know. I was like, there's there literally is. Well, there there are things like my children, my relationship, my you know, like work, but outside of that, all I fucking worry about is when can I go riding, basically, you know, like, it's just, it's the be-all and the end-all of existence, it's the number one thing, the number one motivator, the number one drive in life is to push pedals in any way possible, but hopefully BMX, you know, yeah, riding, BMX, riding skate parks, fucking Drinking beers, you know, yeah. Well, on that note, should we ride a bike? Yeah, should we pedal around there? Mm. Eh? Let's go pedal around. Mm. 
Let's see Auckland, mm. Davenport. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you, Harmana. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening to the show, guys. That's it for this week. Well, not really this week. I'm going to release something over the weekend and give an update, really. It'll be like 20 minutes, half an hour, just sharing kind of the kind of kit I've picked up for the bikepacking journey. Um, and even, you know, uh, let you know kind of what's going on. Uh, the route itself I'll talk about uh, and also the bike I've got set up as well um, and kind of some of the challenges I'm going to face uh, facing and need to kind of address before I even leave. Um, like I said, it's literally only like um, six weeks before I leave so uh, I'm going to start sharing more of that stuff. So if you're into bikepacking, into journeying, stick around. Next week's show, I'm actually talking to someone pretty pretty cool. His name's Wim Masters. He's a downhill mountain biker from New Zealand. He's, in, he's the most Kiwi person I've ever met in my life. Um, he's a pretty big deal uh, in, the, in the downhill community. Um, and he invited me around to his mum's house and we sat on the sofa and chatted about kind of cycling really. So uh, that'll be out next week as well. So thanks for, thanks for tuning in and staying involved.